trying to work out how to keep your business lean and hold on to your margins, marketing, product dev, team tips, and a lot more coming up. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. In today's episode, we're getting into the world of skateboards and surfboards and all kinds of cool outdoor activity whilst talking about product dev, organic traffic growth, managing your team, lots of good, cool insights coming up with today's guest. We're going to meet them in a second, but first, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Klaviyo will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash master plan. Helium 10 is an all-in-one software tool for entrepreneurs to help them start, build and grow a business on Amazon. Helium 10 has all the tools you need to run your business in one place. No more downloading multiple apps or paying for different software. And I have an incredible offer for you. Get 50% off your first month of a Helium 10 Platinum account when you go to helium10.com forward slash master plan. That's H-E-L-I-U-M-1-0 dot and now to introduce today's special guest. Andrew Lees is the co-founder at Grassracks. He's an ex-aerospace engineer who's turned his hand to creating a line of bamboo, board, bike and ski racks. Founded in 2012, they're now selling over $200,000 a year with a 30% annual growth rate. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Chloe, how you doing? I'm so excited to be on the show and, and talk to you today about e-commerce and business. Ah, oh, it's great to have you here. Um, and it's it's always nice to have someone on who fully gets the product dev place because it's a product dev is something we don't cover a lot on the show. So it's always nice to throw it into the mix. But before we get into all that, how did you get into e-commerce? So I always knew from a, actually from a young age, I, I knew that I wanted to develop products and sell them. You know, I had a lot of different ideas. I'd always write them down. I knew I wanted to sell them, but I mean, when I was a kid, e-commerce wasn't a thing. So I, you know, that wasn't really on my radar. I figured I developed this massive hit type product that sold in thousands of stores across the world, that kind of thing. Um, so I was always thinking about brick and mortar. Then when I got out of college and I started thinking about, Hey, let me, you know, let me revisit that. I had a, I got a degree in mechanical engineering and aerospace because I thought, hey, that's a, like that's a good way to, you know, to, to have a good background to be able to develop products. Um, not the aerospace part. I sort of almost took a different direction, but then came back to why I got into engineering in the first place, which was which was product development. But you know, I realized that hey, this internet thing is like really taken off. Why not sell online? Instead of messing around with lower margins and selling, you know, only focusing on brick and mortar stores, um, I could see that even though I didn't know all the pitfalls of brick and mortar, I could, you know, it's just 
kind of obvious. So I decided to uh, develop a, a product. I wasn't sure which one. I came up with a whole bunch of different ideas and whichever one I picked, I the idea was to go full steam ahead into e-commerce and selling online and figuring out that whole thing. But I had no idea what I was doing right from the start. <laughs> and how did you pick which product you were going to build the website around from all those ideas? Was there, was there some scientific method or was it just, I need a a rack to put my board on, therefore I might as well go down that route. Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, I I came up with a bunch. So some of the other ideas were, let's say I had like a uh, sort of a camelback drinking vest that you could wear when, while you were surfing. I had a, a, a rapid beer cooling device that I thought was pretty cool. And so I took all these ideas and I bounced them around. I, I told them to different people. Um, I think that's something that's kind of important is you don't want to, you don't want to tell everybody about your, you know, your big idea and your invention because, you know, you, you can risk losing the IP. You can, you know, you don't want to make it public and put it out so you can't get protection on it if you ever want it. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid of stealing, um, having somebody steal your idea. I think if you're talking to friends and family and you're kind of keeping it close to the vest, but still getting some feedback, uh, I think that's really good. So I did get a bunch of feedback from all the ideas that I had. And the best feedback that I got was for this uh, line of bamboo uh, board racks for to hold surfboards, snowboards, skis, bikes, paddle boards. Um, at the time, I didn't know what material I was going to use. So they were really just like, I had a bunch of boards. I wanted to put them on the wall in my condo and I had like a loft condo. So I had a pretty cool wall that I was like really excited to get all my stuff um, hung up on. And I, when I did some market research, I realized that there just wasn't really anything else out there that was going to look good in an apartment. Um, in your mm-hmm. garage, fine. There's like metal, foam, plasticky kind of stuff out there, but it just didn't, I just didn't want to hang that in my uh, apartment. And so I, I started, I'm like, Hey, I, I design products for a living. I'm an engineer. So I started, I got right into CAD. I started mocking up a couple ideas and I got a jigsaw and a piece <laughs> of wood and I went to town. It, it didn't, didn't look, the first one didn't really look that great, but Hey, it hung a surfboard. And then I really just sort of kept developing from there and optimizing the design. And I think a lot of people would be surprised at how much optimization it takes, how many iterations of prototyping and and production it takes to, to really get a product, to really perfect a product. Yeah. And I suspect we're going to get into a bit more of that later on. But before we do, let's find out a bit more about the business as it is right now. So where in the world are you and where are you selling to? We uh, sell on our Shopify store online. That's our primary sales platform. And we also sell on Amazon, Etsy, Wayfair. And we do house, but like H-O-U-Z-Z.com. Uh, but we don't we don't really focus on that too much. We only get a couple sales there. So really our biggest ones are Shopify store, Amazon, and Etsy. And uh, we love all the different platforms for different reasons. Our our primary and our main focus always will be our Shopify store, though. Cool. And are you in the U.S.? Yeah, we sell. We're in the U.S. We're in uh, we're actually our warehouse is in Pennsylvania. 
Um, we do some manufacturing in North Carolina where I am my business partner, Evan. He's up in Pennsylvania. I'm in North Carolina outside of Raleigh. So we do some manufacturing here and we sell mostly in the US and Canada. Although we get, we've recently, in the last uh, six months to a year, we've gotten a lot more demand from, uh, from Europe, from the UK specifically. Uh, we get some demand from Australia, although we'll eventually set up some distribution there because shipping kind of, I think our, our sales would go through the roof if we had distribution because shipping just makes it prohibitive. You know, some, sometimes people are paying almost the same amount for shipping as they are for one of our racks. So it just becomes a little bit tough, but mostly in the US and Canada for right now. Nice. And um, what does the team look like? Is it just you and your co-founder or are there more people involved these days? Yeah. So it's myself and Evan, my co-founder. We are, we're the main guys, just a couple of dudes making racks. Um, But we do have a team of of people who we don't have anybody else who's full-time. That's something that I really love about our business is that we don't, at least for now, we don't really need to hire any full-time staff. And, and I think it's, this is the perfect time for that kind of thing because there's so many resources out there that can help on an as-needed basis from services that like even from graphic design services who you can pay a monthly fee and you get, you know, you get help there, which we, we don't use one of those kind of services, but just love the idea that there's so many services out there that you can use as needed. So you don't necessarily, there's a lot of opportunity to not hire full-time employees and that keeps us really lean and really agile. Uh, so we do have, we, we work with a warehouse. Um, we kind of have a special relationship with this particular warehouse where we have our own little area where we have, you know, we keep our inventory and we're, we're maxing that out now. So we're going to have to, um, find some more space in his warehouse or somewhere else at some point soon. But, you know, we just pay them for the services they provide on a month to month basis. And that's kind of it. We have some guys who help us pack our products or kit them, you know, put the parts in a box. And then we have our fulfillment guys who ship out. Before that, we have uh, manufacturers who we work with, who the contract manufacturers who make our products. And, and, you know, it just makes it a lot easier for us to manage all the other things that we have to manage, like sales. We actually, in the beginning of the, the company, we were manufacturing, we we're doing a lot of the manufacturing ourselves. And we just realized that our sales were flatlining, you know, and we were, mm-hmm. we just couldn't get past that. And the problem was that we were spending all our time in the warehouse, in the you know ma- manufacturing products, dealing with customer service, shipping, doing everything. And the further we get along, the more we outsource and the better our lives become and the more that we can scale. So it's been, it's been a good journey to kind of figure all that stuff out. So as you've been outsourcing all these different bits and pieces, what bit have you not yet looked? go of which bit are you and your co-founder holding on to customer service will be the last thing we let go of i think you know if we like if we were to let everything go um and the only reason i say by the way that we would let everything go is only because if you have a business where you can actually separate yourself from the business as the owner and it runs perfectly 
then you have a real scalable business and something that you can sell. So that's the that's the goal. That should really be the goal of anybody who's trying to scale a business and not just create a job for themselves. But we we do hang on to among a bunch of other things. Now we love customer service. I think it's a a hugely underrated element of business that people kind of mess up. I mean, I see it from small companies to big companies. There's a lot of a lot of companies who are doing it wrong. And it's it's such a simple thing to to get right that I'm I'm amazed that people don't do it better. You know, more people don't do it better. And it's just like it starts with understanding your customer. You know, they're gonna come to you either really excited, that's easy if they're fired up and they're disappointed about something. It's just a matter of not, uh, you know, I think the most important thing is not getting on your heels and getting defensive and having like a fight with them because it's insane. They're your customer. You know, you kind of want to just understand them and, um, and figure out what their problem is and, and address the problem in the, the nicest way possible. And if it doesn't work out, you say, hey, listen, this isn't a good fit both ways. You know, just return your product. We'll give you a refund. That's it. You know, so it's actually kind of a, one of the more fun things we do. What surprises me is that you said customer service is the last thing you get rid of, not product development. As a dyed in the wool product dev guy, I'm I'm surprised you wouldn't be holding on to that one till the end. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great point, and I think I think the only reason I didn't say that was because right now we're so focused on selling the product line that we have. What we were doing in the beginning, and I think the mistake that we made was we tried to, because I'm a product developer, I got really excited about developing new products for the business, you know? So we developed like 20 or 30 products that were sport racks. So all of our initial products were designed to store and display outdoor sporting gear. And then we started designing furniture because that seemed like fun and it was fun. (laughs) <laughs> and we were selling some stuff, but we totally lose lost focus of, you know, our sport series. And we, we realized we needed to pick one and we needed to get really good at one thing and focus our brand on, you know, on one thing. And, and right now that's the, the sport racks. And so I can't even almost can't even see beyond that, once we really dial that in and perfect it, then we might talk about, you know, adding some more products and kind of expanding. And then you're right, I'll definitely jump back on and, you know, get into product development mode for that, which I'll be excited about. But we're so focused on sales right now that I can't even think about that. Because I was going to say, where has the growth of the business come from? Has it come from getting getting the products perfect and expanding the range, which I'm guessing expanding the range isn't on the list. Um, or has it come from from really dialing in and getting to understand the customer and how to market to them? A little bit of both. So definitely dialing in, figuring out our ideal customer, figuring out what they what they want, what price point they're they're willing to, you know, pay at, what features they need, you know, do they care about our material, our premium bamboo material, which is more expensive than other materials. Although we do offer birch now, plywood. Now the cost of birch is almost rivaling our bamboo because of you know things have just gotten insane with the lumber um, industry. But yeah, it's it's figuring out our our customer and what they what they want. But then also, like you said, perfecting our products and expanding our range to a point. So what we, one of our biggest competitive advantages, I think, is that we've 
really perfected every rack for every sport. So we have a, a different series for, uh, we have a skateboard series, which is a smaller rack than our surfboard series, our paddleboard. Um, so we kind of have a small, medium, large, and we also have our ski rack series because skis, um, require a little bit of a different design than, than all of our other stuff. Then we have a, a bike rack, then we have freestanding racks. And so, but then that's it. Then we've sort of like contained our, ourself, you know, within that range, but perfected everything within it and given our customers the exact product for their exact need instead of just like when I started it, my idea was we'll have two or three racks. We'll have a small, medium and large and it'll just be a one size fits all kind of thing. And, and that'll, and that'll be it. And even in the beginning, I was thinking, Hey, we could probably just can make a big honking rack that holds like <laughs> everything. everything, everything, you know? And then if you want, if you want to hang a bunch, you know, in series, you just buy a bunch of them. But now we have, if you want to buy skis and you want to hold four sets of skis, we have the perfect rack for four sets of skis. If you want to hold four snowboards, we have a another rack that holds exactly four snowboards. So I think just dialing that in too has, has definitely given us an advantage over the other competitors. And do you find there's between the, the customer groups for each of those products that there are different requirements? So is someone who wants to display their skis different to someone who wants to display their surfboard? Do you get people who buy all the sports, I suppose, is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I think each segment is a little bit different. We definitely do see an overlap in terms of a lot of people who do a winter sport also do a summer sport. So a lot of people will surf and snowboard. And so they might come to us and say, Hey, I have three shortboard surfboards, a longboard and two snowboards. Like what, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what's, what's my combination options? Yeah, then? exactly. And that'll probably be the next evolution of the website is, is like a, a finder, you know, a rack finder that, that you just put in the combination of boards you have and what they are and then spits out. This is what we would recommend kind of thing. But all, all the segments are pretty similar except for, I would say, skateboarding. It's a little bit tougher because I think people are sometimes reluctant to buy a $50, $60 rack to hold a $100 skateboard. And so, so our multi racks are, are good because if you got a bunch of, you know, that it makes more sense cost wise to buy a, a rack that holds three or four board skateboards and it's just a little bit more cost effective, but still the demographic that skis, that, that it's buying skis, buying snowboards, buying paddle boards, they're more willing to spend a couple hundred bucks on a rack than skaters. We're still kind of trying to to figure that out. The the potential is massive because skateboarding is such a huge market. Mm-hmm. And we kind of saw that with the Olympics too, you know, like the, the international skateboarding market is, is massive, but it's just a matter of like, we definitely have to dial that in a little bit better and figure out how do we reach the, that demographic and how do we convince them that, you know, we're the right display and storage product for them. Yeah. Well, my my assumptions about the skateboard market, it makes sense that they'd be a bit different mm-hmm. from the others because of the lower entry price point and the more youth element to the culture, I would guess. But exactly. you mentioned that um, 
but your big focus now is on the growth. So I guess I guess I have to ask, what are your growth plans? What's in your growth plans for the next kind of six, 12 months? So what we're really focusing on now is we're focusing on driving sales to our, our Shopify store. We're doing a little bit with Amazon. Um, we are working with somebody who's helping us to optimize our listings for Amazon, which I think will give us a boost. Um, but we're really focusing more on our website and and driving organic traffic. So our cost of goods are actually relatively high for our products, um, and especially because we're making them uh, right now. We're making them in the U.S. So we actually, it's very, very, very difficult for us to get a positive ROI on Facebook or Google ads um, or just any ads in general. And so we really have to focus on our organic traffic. And some of that is content that we're creating, but then also really ramping up our affiliate marketing. So that's that's one thing that we're doing right now that we're going to hopefully within the next six to 12 months, we're, it's going to make a big impact on our organic traffic. And, you know, as we start to get more backlinks, more reviews on different sites, just more exposure on these different sites that are already getting a ton of traffic. So instead of creating a, a ton of our own traffic and relying solely on that, we're going to kind of piggyback, at least to start, we're going to piggyback on other people's traffic and go from there. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS, and personalised website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, platform is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Helium 10 is an all-in-one software tool for entrepreneurs to help them start, build and grow a business on Amazon. Whether you're just starting or are several years into e-commerce, it is a must-have tool for your business and I have an incredible offer for you. Get 50% off your first month of a Helium 10 Platinum account when you go to helium10.com forward slash masterplan. That's helium com slash masterplan. Master plan. It's time, it's time for the top tips round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Andrew, are you ready for the top tips? I'm ready. Cool. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? This is an interesting question because I'm not a big reader. My wife is. Um, she would definitely have an awesome book recommendation. My recommendation is to um, read whatever you feel comfortable with. If that's a book, awesome. If that's for me, 
I'm going to go online and I'm going to, I may read something, I may watch, I'm very visual. So I'd probably rather just watch a YouTube video, but I'll find something that I want to learn more about that'll help me with my business. Usually strategic, tactical type stuff. And then I'll dig into that. And with, with a whole day and you just focus on that, you can, you can get a lot done, whether it's reading a book or doing some research online. Nice. I like that. A problem first approach is always a good approach in my book. Mm-hmm. Okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I think, uh, content marketing in general and driving organic traffic. I really think that there's a lot of talk about paid advertising, you know, run, run Facebook and Instagram ads, YouTube, Google, and there's all these kind of, you know, gurus out there who will tell you how to do that. And that's great. And paid is a good way to accelerate things, to test things. It's awesome. But in my opinion, it's not a good long-term sustainable strategy. And it's a much better investment to invest in content and affiliate marketing now, which will you invest sort of like upfront and then you don't have to keep it going. You know, it's, it'll, it'll like, you don't have to pay to keep it going, which is amazing. You could, let's say you spent a thousand dollars on some content now. And in 10 years, that same content is still making you money. Instead with advertising, you have to continue every month, month after month, you're paying to get that same revenue. I like it. And it comes back to that point you made earlier about the fact you're building this business to work without you and to be attractive for sale. And if you're building assets in terms of content, rather than spending money on ads, then that again helps, I think, with both those two strategies. 100%. Yep. Okay. The tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? So for us, uh, Shopify is is huge. Definitely worth, worth its weight in gold. And it just takes care of so many different things. We've tried a lot of different e-commerce platforms and and Shopify just keeps coming up on top for us. But then the other one I've got to throw in there is ShipStation. If you're selling physical products, I love ShipStation. That's probably even above Shopify. That's the best money we spend. I think it's only like 30 or 40 bucks a month for our plan, but it makes like, we would probably spend hundreds of dollars on that, but don't tell ShipStation because we don't want to, (laughs) but it's well, well, well worth it. And what's ShipStation doing for you, just for those who haven't heard of it before? Yeah. So ShipStation brings in orders from different places. So it'll, it'll bring in our orders from Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, Um, And there's others that I think it integrates with and it has all your orders in one place. You can easily create labels. So, so it'll integrate with all your shipping carriers and it just, it makes, it streamlines the fulfillment process by, by a lot and just makes all that whole process so much easier. Nicely explained. Okay. Uh, The growth top tip then. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? So I'd go back to content. I'd go back to uh, focusing on organic traffic, spending hours and hours and hours on uh, keyword research and really know the, the high intent keywords 
And I, I use it to I'll throw another tool out there, keywords everywhere. Really cool little Chrome plugin that allows you when you when you search a keyword, it'll tell you like roughly how many searches per month in, in different areas of the geographic areas. None of those tools are perfect or exact, but I think it's a really cheap, really cool way to figure out keywords. And and so yeah, I'd 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 figure out what keywords you want to optimize for, create some content around it, or reach out to um, search engine result pages or SERPs. So when you do a search, all the pages that come up, those are SERPs. You know, click on those, anything that's highly relevant, and reach out to them and see if you can get a you know a, a review for your product, a shout out something like that so that you can get backlinks and you can get more organic traffic to your site. Excellent advice. Okay, Andrew, where can we find out more about GrassRacks? Best place is grassracks.com or on Instagram at grassracks. Cool. And I believe you're also helping others through another business with your product dev skills. So can you tell us a bit more about that one, please? Yeah, sure. So in addition to Grass Racks, I have a business called Stoke Ventures, and uh, the website there is Stoke Ventures with a V, uh, StokeVentures.com. And with that, and I've been doing product development bef- since before I started Grass Racks. Um, it's actually one of the reasons that I started Grass Racks because I wanted to learn the whole product development process. I didn't just want to design products for people in a bubble. I wanted to really understand, hey, if I'm a product development engineer, I should know it. I should understand it. I should have launch a product and be successful at it. So that experience with GrassRacks has been uh, amazing to figure all that stuff out. And then with Stoke, I help other people figure out the product development and launch process because I've got a background in mechanical engineering and I have a team of designers who help me. Uh, we develop other people's products from just a concept all the way through uh, we'll iterate the design, we'll get prototypes, we'll coordinate manufacturing, we'll figure out even retail packaging and kitting fulfillment, the whole thing. And I'll, I'll also help with a strategy because I think a lot of a lot of my clients, um, when I started Stoke Ventures, I was only doing the product development engineering part of it. And I was designing these products for people and getting them to the point where they could manufacture them. And they're like, hey, this is awesome. I love it. It's great. I'm ready to manufacture it, but now what? And what else do I have to do? And what about, you know, what are all the other components of launching a product? Because it goes well beyond just product development. So I help people strategize that whole process. And with all the things that I've learned from my product development experience and from actually launching a product with GrassRacks, um, we've made a lot of mistakes and we learned a lot of things. And I just, I want to help people avoid that. So I, I help people strategize that whole process. Excellent. And what's the URL for that website again, please, Andrew? That is stokeventures.com. Excellent. Well, there you go, guys. If you are struggling with your product development or product launches, go and check out stokeventures.com. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been excellent learning about how you're building your business for growth and future exit as well, which so many people forget. So um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. Thank you, Chloe. It's been awesome. Um, a really cool conversation. I love all this stuff. So thank you so much for having me on. I love how focused Andrew is on the end game for the business. The fact they want to build it so as it can work without them and also so as it's attractive to sale, which is something that people talk a lot about as a theory in business, but we don't often talk to a lot of people who've got it that clearly 
in the, the you know the central tenet of what they're up to and the different ways in which they're approaching that with keeping the product range tight with outsourcing key things so they can be as agile as possible with also that focus because their margins are quite small going after that organic growth that will pay back year after year after a year you can get the hands your hands even on the notes from today's show including the top tips and links to what we've been talking about by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast there you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many things i share to help you improve your business if you like this episode, then do check out episode 86, yes, all the way back at 086 with Philip Valisa, which is all about getting product development right. Thank you so much for tuning into this and all the episodes that you do of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every single week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with their business. So, if you know someone this show can help, please do tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week. Keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com/podcast.